Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everybody, to the Really Charlie podcast. Today's guest I have, the beautiful, lovely Paula Pina, and also guest Jeremy Costa. He'll be coming on. We're going to talk about a few things. In fact, that's what we're, the title of this show is Let's Talk About It. We're going to talk about some issues, some situations that all three of us kind of come across and um, just lead into discussion. Feel free to comment. We'll listen to you. We'll read your comments. I'll put some on the screen and it may lead to another conversation. But like I said, it's let's talk about it. Let's talk about things that are going on and um, the intelligence, the intellect rather, and, and just the, the professionalism that we have on this podcast is bar none uh, to anybody else. We definitely uh, got some experience and feel free, feel free to chime in, add a comment here or there. So Paula, how are you doing today? I'm good, Charlie. I want to say thank you, first of all, for inviting me on your show. Uh, I feel honored. Um, I just want to say thank you for all the great comments. I don't know about all that intellect and intelligence, but I try my best. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's great. I mean, hey, we're breathing today. It's sunny. I don't know where everyone else is listening from, but I'm actually having a great view of a whole bunch of snow outside right now. Uh, so life is good right now. Good, good, good. Yeah, I I was excited about this when we talked about it between you I and Jeremy I was so so ready to get this going and um you know it's just it's nice I mean especially the energy that you know you both have it's good for me to know and and it's good for me to you know see that you guys are doing that and um you know uh, yeah. he, he speaks for it he speaks for itself you speak for yourself yeah. Things you do. And I, I'm very, very proud of you. And you. Um, I'm, I'm waiting to build up on our friend, my friendship with Jeremy. And hopefully it comes to bigger and better things in the future. It will. So, I mean, it's all about connecting. I really feel that way. Um, just a little background. I've known Jeremy for a very long time. We were two kids having fun, you know, back in the day. Um, you could say probably 20, 30 years ago, I would have never seen myself in the position I am now, you know, uh, accomplished. I've traveled the world. I've, I've seen a lot of things, learned some things, uh, tried to unlearn some things, you know. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, to, to where we are right now, it's amazing. And, and, you know, to any young listeners right now, don't get discouraged because if you you kind of stumble and fall, you know, in your youth, and then you really don't know what the next second or the next day will, will show you or present an opportunity. But if it's there, grab it, take it. Um, you stumble. Hey, that's okay. You say that wasn't for me and you keep going. And next thing you know, some years later, you say, wow, I have this really adventurous life and, and I'm still going, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Live and love life, laugh along the way, and um, learn to appreciate the blessings around you. So, great. Your quote for today. Do, Charlie? Yeah. <laughs> really, Charlie? Let's, let's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. 
Actually, I love that. I try to make people say, really, Charlie, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to add up. Uh, once Jeremy comes to the screen, we'll add him. Um, it looks like he's all set. So there we go. Hey, hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Going on? How are you? Right. How are you? All right. I'm so, so happy to have you here on this podcast. Um, along with Paula, really means a lot to me. Um, I just like to invite guests on my podcast to really say what they feel, you know, and uh, have a dialogue, have a kind of um, conversation which is the title of this podcast. Let's talk about it. So we're going to talk about some things and, um, and uh, feel free to be you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not into shutting people down. I'm not into shutting people up. It's just not me. I can't, can't do that because I'm a very creative mind. I try to keep things going, you know, whether it's within my family, friends, um, in the community, I'm always trying to keep things going, keep people, um, empowered and inspired to be that next voice for the community because eventually what happens is people kind of move along as they're, they're fighting and, and doing things. They finally say, all right, I got to step back. I may be exhausted or guess what? I'm going to pass it on to the next person. So that's why I continue to inspire because when I do decide to step back or some others decide to step back, there'll be other people in place to kind of move the issues forward. So um, what I want to start, what I initially want to talk about is, 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 and Jeremy, you, once we go into you in a few minutes, I want, you can kind of throw your bio out there if you want, you know, what you're involved in. Um, but right now I actually want to, Actually, let's do this. Let's talk about you, Jeremy, and your bio and what's going on with you and what you're involved in. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be able to, you know, get on your platform and be able to, um, you know, tell you a little bit about me, uh, a little bit about what I, 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 and I plan on doing in the community and, you know, what, um, what I'm all about. Uh, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions, especially um, with, um, you know, the recent incidences that have been happening in the community that I've been involved in. Um, and so I just want to kind of clear the air. So I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, you and Paula. I think this is a great opportunity, um, not only for the community to get to know, you know, Charlie, um, also, you know, what your focus is on trying to amplify the voices of our black community. And that's pretty much what um, I'm all about. Um, you know, I've, I don't know where to start, you know. I, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I got involved in, in, in social activism um, years ago, but, uh, you know, I, I've lost um, my... My, my correct, if you want to say, target market, um, because I was, you know, moving around quite a bit, and I wasn't able to kind of put my hand on the matters um, that are truly uh, destroying our black community. Um, and so, 
I found a way to actually get a hold of these injustices and get a hold of a specific niche that could um, truly make a difference in our community. And so I associated myself with um, an organization um, that was amplifying that voice. Um, and then I broke from that organization and I created an organization called Bike Life Lives Matter. And that organization is a social justice advocacy group that touches topics not just um, on, on the political spectrum or uh, the justice spectrum, but also economically. And we want to be able to integrate um, the bike, the being, um, and the business and bring it all together because I think it's through uh, social integration um, is where I have found my success and I believe that that is the cure. I believe that um, integrating um, is, is the cure. I believe economically, I believe socially, but we have this cancer that is destroying that integration and that is racism. And so I wanted to um, show them by a organization that kind of um, doesn't really doesn't really look at race as a, or gender as an issue in its society and, and is very thriving and very successful within it as in growth, business opportunities, uh, family environment. It has all those essential things. And so bike life, um, that community is that culture that can truly um, change it. So that's what really I'm all about right now. Um, but of course, I've done a million other things. And, you know, I don't know, you know, really need to speak about those things, but I've definitely have um, traveled the world and a lot of different things. <laughs> so good. But good. I'm really focused on huh. the uh, change aspect right now. Okay. Um, which just leads to Paula, you know, I, um, you know, we got a close relationship with family, with kin, very proud of you, like your voice, like your, uh, your energy. And, um, thank you for, uh, kind of putting out an invitation to reach out to Jeremy and, and hear this young brother. I kind of did some homework and um very impressed definitely the person that i don't mind being around definitely not the definitely the person i want to listen to and uh you know and we agree to disagree and oh with everybody as we meet people not everybody can get along but we also got to understand that a solidarity is very very important and that seems to be the point uh, the thing that kind of sets us back a little way, uh, you know, sets us back as a community, being black, white, Latino, whatever, you know, it, it kind of sets us all back sometimes. Um, and uh, so how could you inspire our listeners, our viewers, you know, you know, actually just give me a bio about you. Let's start off with that. That's the best thing. Sure, like Jeremy, Jeremy said, I mean, I'll just do it off the bat. Where do you start, right? 
Um, as I said earlier, I've known Jeremy for a really long time. Um, I, I, Jeremy, you weren't here, but we were just two crazy kids doing our thing, right? Um, and if, if I could talk to that young person 30 years ago, I would be like, wow, you don't even know the things that are in store for you later on. Uh, so I'll jump right in. You know, I had a pretty basic life. Mom and dad grew up in the Cape. Um, education, went through all the school system, was really bored with school. Um, I felt at that time I really didn't get a lot of that black education. I think just I felt like my culture was not represented in my institution, uh, educational institution that I went to. I just from from the beginning, I just was turned off with that. And, you know, I ended up kind of getting my own way for a couple of years, ended up in New York. Um, really took school seriously. I had a great professor, um, George Moses, thanks to her. Uh, she's the realest chick I've ever met. Um, she became a very close friend. Um, she just put me on. She was like, hey, you're a strong black woman. Like, you have a voice, use it, you know? And, and it just kind of put me uh, on the path that I am now. Uh, got a couple of degrees, policy, gerontology, mental health, uh, half a degree in uh I went to holistic med school in New York, um, married, divorced, came back to the Cape. So I'm here now uh, working with mental health. Uh, I am contracted through the Department of Mental Health. Um, exciting stuff, never a bored day, you know. Uh, and just like the both of you, I mean, I'm just trying to educate. That's my thing. I just, it, there's so many people that I run across and, you know, I never put myself below or above. I meet them where they're at, you know, and it's like, wow, there's some things that I've been experienced, you know, that I've experienced and been exposed to that maybe they could benefit from, you know, and if I bring that topic, because I'm definitely someone that likes to have dialogue with everyone I come across, like Jeremy, I've traveled the world. Uh, I was married to a military uh, personnel, so I've been everywhere. Um, and the people you meet, you know, you exchange, and I'll use your, your, your phrase from earlier, Charlie, it's sometimes you got to agree to disagree. You know, hey, I'm just trying to share oh, this, and, and I don't. Yeah. Wow, there's some things that I've been experienced. You know, we that I've experienced and been exposed to that maybe they backlog. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm like, am I hearing myself right now? Um, <laughs> you know, and if I bring that topic, because oh. I'm definitely someone that we um. Hold on, I'm just trying to make sure we don't have any feedback from my phone here. Um, yeah, that's what let me slow down. We we kind of um. <laughs> um, Jeremy, um, Hello? you know, how do you feel about my yep, connection? You, seems like it's can you hear bad. me? Is it here? I can, I can hear you. Um, I don't have any problem hearing you. Oh, you don't have any problems hearing me? See that your problem. microphone was on it. Your, uh, feet. I don't know if it's, if it's my. I'm going to um, try to reconnect and on another device. My device. Okay, we'll do that. What I'll do is... Um, is that better? I can hear you now. Yeah. All right. The wonderful world of virtual, huh? Yeah, my device. All right. If you want, Jeremy, you have that link. What I'll do is I'll remove you from the stream. Me and Tal me and Paul is just going to talk about a few things, and then you can come back on. You might 
Yeah. I'm just Thank you, Fro. So, um, yeah. how do you, yeah. How is, um, how is social media important to you or unimportant to you, you know, especially as far as personally and professionally, how does it, you know, the pro and con, how do you feel about it? Well, I think that's a good topic to start with, um, considering that, you know, we are in the state of a pandemic, you know, worldwide and, you know, uh, us as a society, we're very social. Um, I'll start with the personal. So personally, I feel social media for me holds that um, platform where I can actually reach out and talk to my family and friends that I am unable to see right now. So that that's a definite positive. As you know, we come from a very tight family. Um, so this is really hard for us, as I'm, I'm sure it is for other families you know, across the world, that um, it's hard not being able to see them. But being able to do you know, Zoom and FaceTime, I think I utilize a little bit more than I did before. Uh, so that's a, a pro. Um, a negative for me is that I'm really a face-to-face interactive kind of person. I like to catch people's vibe, their energy, you know, just kind of how they're moving. You can catch all that in person. It's a little harder over uh, virtual. Um, and I think it makes for better communication. Yes. Um, so, so many people now are stuck at home. They really can't go well because of, you know, all the protocols and procedures in place due to the pandemic. So me personally, I feel like the negative is people are zoned in to these devices so much and they're taken away from the quality of life. I mean, that again, that's just my opinion. Um, I say that to say this, I have children. So I notice that they're just on their devices a lot more yeah. because they're, yeah. So that's the negative for me. Um, I don't know if anybody else shares that opinion, but that's where I come from. Yeah. And what about you? Where are you coming pretty from? Pretty much Jolly? the same with me. Um, yeah, I I like it. It's been it's very useful for me personally. Um, professionally, I you know at that point when I was working, it wasn't something I was using too much. You know, I just wasn't on. You know, as far as using it professionally. Um, mm. However, um, I really think that it, I mean, look look at this podcast. This is this is something I'm. I'm very much in love with right now. I'm trying to live and learn, get better each and every day. Um, I'm be I'm able to reach out to different people in the community um, and across the actually the nation. You know, eventually I'll be speaking to some people that may be in in Florida, California, so on and so forth, um, and and kind of bring to light some of the things that they're going through. And so social media has definitely been a plus for me. Mm. And um, and actually, uh, one thing I like about it is if some things are bothering me or some people may be bothering me, I can always just say, hey, all right, time to end that relationship. Kind of unfriend, right. uh, unassociate, yeah. um, and that, and that extreme cases just block them you know and um you know <laughs> that's the one thing i love about it yeah you, you touched on a good subject about that for the, the job part of it because with my job um i'm in the community a lot i see a lot of people 
Um, I'm fortunate enough that I wasn't really affected during this pandemic because I was allowed to use Zoom and virtual to do my meetings, to, you know, meet with clients and patients and, you know, facilities that I'm not allowed into right now, but we're not missing that part of our job. And like I said, it allowed me to kind of stay in my position. We just accommodated a lot for it. Um, My company was awesome about it. Yeah. And we didn't miss a beat. We stepped right in like this pandemic's got nothing on us. We're just switch over and we're good. So uh, yeah. I I like this comment here. It says social media is a valuable asset when utilized responsibly. But when it when abused, it can be weaponized and cause division and real world casualties, which is so true. That's I mean, real we, talk right there. Yeah. Thanks for that comment. Um I can't see who the user is. It says Facebook user, but that's a a very, very um great comment you know so and it's i mean it's all over i how about this you you know before this pandemic you go into the movie theaters and um you know you're supposed to be in there watching a movie but what do you see you see all these blue lights all over the place instead of people watching the movies they're actually into their social media um and and actually that could be a negative because it, it um you know, you're going to a movies or you're kind of sitting down watching a movie. It's about family time, you know, and that quality mm-hmm. time with someone that you're with. So sometimes we need to have some boundaries and some rules to say, hey, you know, put the electronics down and um, let's do this face to face. Yeah. You know that. And uh, so um, now we, um, there's a lot of things that um well let me let me go into this social work it's something that you're doing and um it's always been something that I wanted to do especially right around the age 17 or 18 and the reason why I wanted to do it is because I had um I had a guidance counselor and um but that that woman just kind of let me kind of vent about a lot of things and um, I said, you know what? I like this. I, this is something I want to do. Um, and bringing that up, the only thing she didn't do is, is kind of encourage me to do it. Mm. So when I wasn't kind of getting that encouragement from a mentor, I kind of left it alone. But mm. until, you know, and, and uh, right now I see, um, I see myself kind of looking into people like you and a few other friends that are into the work. It, it really appeals to me. And um, so. Go for it. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's ne- never too old, never too young. Social work is a big fancy word for saying, I like to help people to be the best they can be, you know, and, and you don't, yeah. you know, there's no age on that, you know? Yeah. It's a, uh, I like to do it, um, but we'll see what happens. It's never too late to go to school. That. Don't you say <laughs> that? You've known me for many years. I'm an advocate of education at any age. You know I have a degree in gerontology, so I don't care if people are 80 and they're like, hey, I want to do this. Let's do it. Let's make a plan. How are we making it happen? So don't you tell me. Your, your, your listeners would hear, and how is it about four years? You're going to say, oh, my God, I graduated with my degree. <laughs> yeah, don't you do it? <laughs> Um, so I, uh, kind of waiting for Jeremy. I got, a. I want to hear this man's voice. This, uh, 
Um, he's definitely so he's really vocal. He's really yeah. um, got some intellect, and um, I, I like that. I like that fire. Um, mm-hmm. It's um, the one thing I, I'm gonna kind of do is just kind of stay in touch with him and network and and get some things going because there's some friends that I know that would Mm. actually be a huge um, compliment to what he's doing. So got to get them connected eventually. Um, Well, that's why I wanted you guys to, to kind of meet. I I can't say it enough. Jeremy's amazing. His mind, it just, you know, like I I think I was telling you before we went live that um, he is someone that you can have a really awesome dialect with. And then you have to get to the point where you're like, wow, we've been sitting here for five hours. Like we got to go do something because we just get to top, you know, talking about a topic and then it just flows. And you're talking about A through Z and all the way back to A. And he's well versed with a lot of topics. You know, he doesn't know everything about everything, but he knows a little bit about everything. So, um, you know, it, it's just great speaking to him. And he is not afraid, in my experience, to just get out there and put himself out there and say, you know, I'm being true to myself, you know. And I think that's why we're really good friends and why I wanted you guys to kind of link up because I know just from knowing the two of you that your your uh, values in, in your thinking process, they kind of line up. And I know what you're trying to do and where he's going and I know your background and kind of a little bit of the people you associate with as well as his together, I think um, networking, you guys would, would really make some change uh, in the areas that you're trying to. True. And mm-hmm. uh, we got a. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Look at her. We, our beautiful cousin, you know, she's uh, another, another one. one. Proud of. Uh, yeah. California, doing her thing. I just want to give her a little props. Yes, professional yeah. makeup artist for Kim Kardashian. You go, Danny, not me. You go, girl. Yeah, <laughs> she's uh... that, everyone. Oh, man, <laughs> technical difficulties on my phone. No, no problem, Jeremy. Um, we're giving you we praises. Actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're praising you, man. We uh, Paula said she wants to check in the mail for praising you for about ten minutes now. <laughs> oh, no. hey, Charlie, you like this is what we're doing. <laughs> I'm not denying it. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you want to send I can't wait to watch the the um, the the archive version of this. Yeah. So, Jeremy, so I, I didn't get to hear the, um, the 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 careers and so forth, or the the information. I pretty much have a clear understanding of you know what you were doing, and you know as running for mayor and so forth. But I didn't get the bios of of, of you as much because I guess it was distorted a little bit my my feed or whatnot. Okay. Um, well, 31 year veteran of uh, New Bedford Police Force. I actually uh, very proud of it. I um, before I thought about doing it, I was actually uh, um, on my way to the U.S. Army. I wanted to. I just got tired of uh, taking some taking jobs here or there, and I I wanted a career. I wanted to establish myself, you know, and uh have a solid career so and i was probably about 72 hours from getting sworn in in boston and uh and the police department called me and asked me if i wanted a position as a cadet and um i took it and that was way back when and uh i won't tell you the date but it was a long time ago and i took it enjoyed it 
Um, I was able to interact with people, um, good, bad, and, and kind of misfortune. I want to say, uh, I don't want to say ugly, you know, situations. You have to understand why people are going through whatever they're going through. And I was trying to be, you know, a combination of officer friendly to the officer you can rely on, you know, and, um, and that's what I did throughout my career. And, um, from what I understand and what I get from friends and family is all the community is that I was there for them. And that's all I try to do. So, mm. and, uh, now it's the really Charlie podcast and I'm actually a bus driver for a local company. And, um, and I work with, a a few kids. Um, I actually got educated being a driver, you know, with autism and a few other things, which um, kind of opened opened my eyes to what you know people are going through, and um, so. But mm-hmm. so that's a little bio. I have you know a lot of experience with the youth in the city. So, um, but I want to talk about you. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about some of the things that are going on in your head some of the things you brainstorm and oh let's get these comments this, flying on the really charlie podcast man charlie you did not say that charlie really <laughs> really charlie I, I see uh, really why, charlie i see why they say really charlie man mm-hmm. there's so much going on out there that's the that, that's really the hardest that's really the hardest thing to to put your finger on is is the pulse of society right now because it is forever changing, you know, with this pandemic, with, um, you know, all these uh, issues of police violence, you know, you got an insurrection that happened at the Capitol, you got all this uh, vaccine distribution communication, you have uh, communities that are um, looking to defund the police, you got people that are looking to, you know, go to space, you got people that are looking to, uh, you know, cut funding in other countries. Um, you know, you've got walls that are still trying to be put up, you know, and we have our own um, things that we deal with as a people, you know, and and I, I think that um, I had to really take a step back because it was so overwhelming, you know, of all the mm-hmm. stuff that is truly going on. I had to really you know, take a step back. And if it really wasn't for, you know, the, the environment that I've been lucky enough to put myself or to, to, to be involved with the family environment aspect of it, where you get that nurture, you get that love, no matter, no matter what uh, happens at, at the workplace or what happens, you know, during your day, you still are able to come back to a loving uh, atmosphere. And so, you know, that's really been the hail. Um, I mean, the, the, and we talk about the hill um, and I don't want to get into scripture or anything like that, but that's what heals us is that that's, that's the love that is necessary. That's the nurture that is necessary to heal all these uh, issues that we have in our community. Um, it's that nurture that you said that you kind of found your place when you started to see through the eyes of those people that are autistic or those people that have autism or those people that are, you know, aren't as able as us. That's where you truly found 
where you wanted to play a role in this world um, and what you wanted to do. And so all of the time or the spare time that you might have goes in contributing to that, um, to that way of life to try to make someone else's day better that, that might not be able to get that same uh, in return. And that's what um, I've kind of uh, learned um, that before it was really hard, you know, growing up, um, being a state child, um, moving, you know, I was, it, it's amazing how different me and my, my me and my lady are where she went mm-hmm. to one school from her elementary school years to her, uh, high school year. Like she went to, she didn't move, you know, she stayed in one, one place, you know, and she was able to get that, that love and that nurture from her family you know, and it's made her into this amazing human being where she is able to see, you know, those people that are disabled. She actually works for uh, a, 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 a group that works with disabilities, you know, good, um, good. people that are, uh, you know, people that can't move, that are not mobile. You know, she's uh, a, a DSP for that. And knowing that that type of uh person is out there um that can truly love something that can't truly reward you back the way that you know capitalism does is was really my was really my um awakening period it was really my uh awakening as well you know and so there are so many different topics it's really hard to kind of put my finger on one topic that i would like to truly get into but you know, it's whatever you guys want to talk to because uh, talk about because there are so many different ways that we want to break into um, getting into civic engagement and getting into um, our communities to where we can make a difference. Um, before I was doing a lot of events and was gathering people and thought that, you know, by bringing artists and bringing events to the table, I could maybe heal and soothe the spirits of people, you know, my senior superlative at high school at Barnstable was you can never retake a class. I mean, you can always retake a class, but you can never relive a party. And it was by Bob Marley. And I ended up living that, mm-hmm. that superlative pretty much through my whole life up until today, you know, um, up until a few years ago, um, where I was always trying to be the party. I was always trying to be this, you know, Um, yeah this i was always trying to be this hailing uh mechanism for people you know always uh trying to put aside my own personal um things and trying to soothe other people you know and so that was um something that has when i spoke it into existence on that day that they asked for the senior superlative i kind of ended up living that uh life you know 25 years later, I can look back and like, that was going to be one of the dumbest relatives ever, you know, because, you know, it's not about the party. It's not, you know, so um, we could talk about so many different things. I think that this civic engagement is so, so important. So, so important. I agree. Um, Paula, we'll, uh, let's talk about it. What do you, what do you think we should talk about right now? You know, what are some of the things you want to talk about? I, I think that. Um, oh boy, you want to go down that know, road? You, 
Uh, yeah, we let's go down that road because you know what? You know, I, I, I get ready. let's get into it, Charlie. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Um, I am in complete agreement with with Jeremy. There's so much going on in the world right now. This is such an exciting time to be alive. I gotta say, or just in this space right now because there's just so much evolving that's going on. Uh, but we have so much more work to do. But just to be here. Um, I would just say this, you know, just kind of where Jeremy was in high school. My moment was when I went my first semester to to undergrad school, and it was a professor that was kind of like, no, this was in high school. I take that back. And they were kind of saying, hey, everybody knows something about, God, I'm dating myself, but it was like Michael Jordan. Anyone who knows anything about Michael Jordan, raise your hand, mm-hmm. tell me everything. People were saying like his underwear size, his shoe size. I mean, they knew details about this guy. Then everyone put their hands down. They said, all right, tell me five people that run the government for you right now that make decisions for you every day. I was in a big class. I want to say it was maybe three or four people that raised their hands compared to someone who entertains you, does nothing for you, but you don't know the basics about these people that run the, your, make decisions for you every day. That was like a, whoa. And I'm over here worrying about going to the, jet concert you know and i'm like wow i need to like really start paying attention to what's going on around me and that's you know like jeremy when i really started going i want to start learning stuff i want to really kind of learn what's what's this thing called life about like how can i make a change what can i do and and it's like a rabbit hole you start here and then you just go down and you just get exposed to all this stuff so you know a, a topic um i don't know let's talk about how informed our communities are versus how you know um i can only say negligence because everyone is ignorant if they don't go seek so you 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 can't say they're misinformed they're just not seeking the truth you know uh yeah let's talk about that definitely Definitely. jump on definitely Definitely. (laughs) well well i i really feel that there's a that that there's a huge that 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 there's a huge gap when it comes to our black and brown communities being civically engaged and our uh, Caucasian communities, our um, multicultural communities have a major disconnect. Um, We don't teach civic classes in school anymore. Mm. We don't teach, um, you know, uh, these type of literacy classes that are important for us. And, you know, I wish that I took civic engagement classes in in school um because i probably would have been a lawyer i probably would have been you know a politician to where um i could have truly made the changes that i thought you know i ended up going to school for broadcast journalism and interdisciplinary but i didn't go there um thinking that i was going to end up being a dj or a promoter or you know a, a, a gatherer of of sort i thought i was going to be a writer and a news anchor you know i was one of those people that studied Mm -hmm. every every aspect of sports you know i thought i was going to be a sports broadcaster i was a you know disc jockey at 91.5 wbim bridgewater i worked as a uh intern at uh 106.3 in the new 102.7 with dave cerisi um so i went through this uh phase where i thought that i was gonna be part of this entertainment um conglomerate but it, it, it wasn't the case and i wish back then that i was as civically involved as i am now 
And I think that we can still, because of the internet, I think we can make up a lot of that time. I think with social media, I think that if we use the social media for the tools that it that it's made for, I believe that we can make up a lot of the time that we've lost. And that's what this is about. Exactly. Um, is trying to yeah. utilize the tools that are given to us to maximize the uh, voices of our communities. Scripture tells us it's through the testimonies that they had overcome, you know, and I believe it's through our testimonies and it's through uh, the people's testimonies that we, uh, you know, amplify their testimonies and heal others that are going through those same similar situations. Um, you know, I used to be I used to be one of those kids that grew up in the state custody that thought I was the only one that it was happening to, you know, and then, you know, seeing the Internet uh, really sink the teeth into this social uh, justice movement and really start to really get the voices that need to be amplified got me thinking like, man, kids, what you went through was nothing to compare to what this guy went through. You know, that those, mm -hmm. you know, years of going to all these different elementary schools and all these different middle schools and being, um, you know, uh, labeled a criminal at the age of 13 for a crime that you didn't commit. Like, how about sitting in jail for 25 years for a crime that you didn't commit? So it, it really kind of it, it, it this has really uh, given me uh, a, a, a awakening, you know, truly and has allowed me to see the stories, you know, in South Dakota and Minnesota and Ohio. Don't get me wrong. I've been there. I've been to these, I've been to 48 States, you know, so I see what's going on in these communities, but I don't get to hear those testimonies. And, mm. it's, you know, it's not what we see. It says, you know, that we build by faith, not by sight. You know, mm. it's not of the things that we see so much. It's by the things, you know, and, we can only learn from hearing, you know, the word. And I'm saying the word as in the testimonies of people that, that go forth and that continue to spread the good news of, you know, those testimonies of people overcoming circumstances and situations and, you know, maybe not having a father or maybe not having a mother or maybe having some drug um, drugs that were involved in your life or maybe getting caught up into the snaps, into the snares of all these things. So it's very important that, you know, we take hold of this understanding and we go forth and we serve our community since we know now, you know, once we have this knowledge, we have to go forth and serve our communities. Yes. And I think that it was, it, it took a lot of um, chastising. It took a lot of scolding. It took a lot of losing. It took a lot of losses, and a lot of field opportunities for, for this to actually come into fruition, you know, and I hope through Bike Life Lives Matter um, that this organization, um, I'll be able to utilize the noise that it makes um, and truly bring a community together. And um, we have a logo that really has, um, it kind of speaks for itself, but um, if you look at it, it you know, everything is, goes full circle, you know, and we hey, Jeremy, 
I don't want to cut you off. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about the bike? You know, because you're kind of speaking it like they know they have no oh, clue. Oh, yes. Let them know. So you come on, let them know. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah. Oh, these are the lawn signs that we I have. I see it. Yes, yeah. these are the lawn signs. So Bike Life Lives Matter is a social justice uh, organization that is we are a new organization that is dealing with a lot of social injustice um, just for riding a bicycle or riding a moped or riding a scooter or ATV. And we were just a um, group of people that were riding. And what happened was there's been some incidences um, in the state of Rhode Island um, and also across the country. This is a global issue. Um, and that's why I associated myself with this specifically um, is that there are some rules and regulations that the government has written that only appease uh, a group of people. For instance, Bike Life Live Matter is dealing with a systemic issue of not having the resources that other organizations like skaters, um, like um, people that play soccer, people that play baseball, people that play uh, basketball, where they're not getting their fair share of um, access to public spaces, where they have a hobby that they mm -hmm. enjoy of riding a bike, but they have been uh, demonized and they have been uh, labeled a bunch of hooligans and a bunch of gang members because they happened to ride a four-wheeler or a dirt bike, and it happened to be in the street because they might not have access to those dirt paths or the, to those 40 acres um, or those uh, areas where it is not as, as um, condensed as the streets are. And so what this culture has, it has created a, um, they believe it to be a phenomenon, I believe it to be an Olympic sport. They have created this lifestyle where they uh, ride, they pop wheelies, they uh, do different stunts, and they are being labeled uh, criminals because their activity is on public roads. And so, but that's not the case. These people are far from criminals. They're far from uh, hooligans. They're not doing it for anything besides maybe a release of uh, the stress that they go through. Uh, they are not doing it anything besides maybe to uh, escape the current circumstances they may be. Um, and they aren't doing it because they, they love the bike. They're doing it because they love the bike. And they're not doing it to harass the community or to try to uh, get some ex excitement or, um, or adrenaline rush. You know, um, they're doing it because they love the, the hobby. They love the sport. Mm. And... Um, so my job is to really amplify this bike life community um, and to show them the economic engine, to show them the, the, the systemic, uh, the social engine that it can create and to civically get these people engaged because these are the groups of people that have been left out of society, have been, you know, put um, kind of like in a juvenile detention center until they get their until they get their mind right or until they can get a place to land they are criminalized you know 
And I mean, what I mean, what I mean, a place to land. I mean, like a a school zone or an allocated zone where they can actually do this activity. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be ten acres. We're talking, you know, uh, a, a, the size of a basketball court and a parking lot. You know, yeah. we're talking very small areas, and you'll okay. see it. You and I'm sure, Charlie, you being a New Bedford uh, resident. Um, I'm sure because I just went on Kempton Street on Saturday last week and saw about 10 bikers riding down the street, popping wheelies. You know, there is no there's no locations for these kids mm-hmm. to ride this these bikes in these metropolitan areas. And we got to we got to find a way to integrate them and include them instead of excluding them and criminalizing. Mm-hmm. Because True. They, are, they are a big population. And, of our and being a person. Yeah, I, I've learned, I own a motorcycle, I own a quad, I definitely, um, you know, understand when you're trying to seek out a place that we can go, and it always led to us going elsewhere, to another community, and I'm saying, look, I want to, I want to ride right here, I want to ride close to home, why do right. I have to uh, attach my quad to a trailer and go, you know, 20, 30 miles away just to ride my quad, you know, and and to me, it was something that I needed because it was actually, it, it allowed me to forget about a lot of things. You know, I was just thinking about riding that quad, being amongst the trees, in the woods, up and down the hill, kind of. And, and people just don't understand that there's a little bit more to it than just making noise and, and acting as they say, a fool. When you're not acting a fool, you're just kind of enjoying your craft, enjoying your hobby. And um, so I feel you on that. I really do. And um, I actually want to support you as much as I can from this day forward. Yeah, it's it's an amazing group of people. Like, I mean, this is the most multicultural group that you could probably encounter in the, in the United States. Um, and it's not just in the United States. It's in France. These... Um, they have they were the ones see a bike was actually number one it was invented by a black man but a lot of people don't know that a bike was actually invented by a black man number two is um the bike has given me the ability to escape things that um you know for instance the society or the culture that um many people are used to are you know these sports that are soccer baseball football basketball those are their normals but everybody doesn't have that same type of environment you know today our parents can't afford to put our kids in three different sports you know and so getting them the bike might be the most affordable you know and so now they get a bike for christmas and now they want to be able to do the tricks on the bike you know but they don't have a place to do it at so they found that you know, well, we'll just come together and ride in packs and ride in, ride in air. And because they ride in a pack, they're looked at as a gang, you know, when they're, that's not the case. Actually, they're from 16 different areas across the city um, that could actually help you uh, represent a community that is not even voting today, you know. And so mm-hmm. people don't understand that, that yeah. this is not just, you know, it's, it, it, it's not just one of these regular um, sports. This is a sport that can truly create uh, a ripple effect civically, socially, and economically. Economically, um, you know, these are the one of the most talented 
mechanics. They're, 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 they have the most talented mechanics. They have the most talented uh, writers as an artist, as in they might even be tattoo artists. They might be jockeys on horses. If they would have a horse, would this sport be legal? You know, that's the thing, you know. And so we have to look at this in ways to include this and see how we can use this to help our economy instead of having these people most of the riders they went to miami this weekend across the country they all went to miami mm -hmm. instead of actually having these people go to miami why don't they do things in their own city to keep the money inside so now these people paid you know thousands of dollars to rent out the hotels in miami and in the surrounding areas when it would have been a great place for newport to be able to do uh in july or maybe in july of this year or maybe New Bedford, they got that. They, they just put all that money out there, um, out there for the um, what was that for the ferry? They, I've seen some. I, I've seen so much work for the ferry to drive from from one side of uh, New Bedford to go to uh, was it Nantucket? And so that area that those cars are parked at, you know, um, on days when the ferry's not could be utilized as a parking lot for these riders to ride in and for businesses to take their business outside and to create like some type of pavilion type of perspective, like a flea market, give those businesses a way to meet and greet the riders and the riders, customers and the riders, um, you know, community to be able to meet the businesses that are in that city. And so instead of these people going elsewhere, they have a place that they can do at in their city. And then these people are sitting there watching this, you know, exhibition. It's kind of like having the, the circus come to town or the carnival mm -hmm. come to your town. And these people are performing. You have all these assets all over New Bedford that can be utilizing um, their outdoor space to be able to invite these riders in. And that's what we're looking to do is to try um, to help these small businesses. Jeremy, we got a comment here that says it says the R, the RV field in the cushionet next to the old White's Front Center would be a great place to try and procure for that um, recreation. It's the insurance that's probably going to be the biggest hurdle. No, people want that liability if someone gets hurt or sued. Right. Go ahead. And so if and so that's just like. People always use the word insurance, the liability. They get so scared. Do you know that there are, you know, people jump out of planes. People, you know, you have these, um, you have these events where you have these extreme sports that are, that are flying, that are flying 500 miles per hour at each other. The, what do they call the Blue Angels? They, they mm -hmm. do. I don't know what they call. I know that you know when I grew up on the Cape, they ha they have a place called Onset, and they have these little air shows. You know, and then there's a place in Wareham that does it. And then there's a place in Quonset in Rhode Island that does it. You know, and so all these places, they have these air pilots that are flying 150 to 500 miles an hour over the tops of people. You know, very dangerous activity. And all you do is get an insurance bind. See, the insurance is no problem. The insurance, the people are liable. The people that own the property, they always are insured. People, when they come there and they do these events, when I do my event, I did an event at the Brockton Fairgrounds um, in 2003. I had 15,000 people at the event. I had um, artists from New York. I had artists from Miami. I had artists from um, all over the country, to be honest with you. I had people that flew as far from Hawaii to come to this event in Brockton, Massachusetts. 
We I did a show with Dub Magazine. And what we did was we had a stunt show there. And we had so many different cultures, so many different groups of people. We had we had groups from the outlaws, the Hells Angels. We had uh, bike clubs across the country. We had imports. We had domestics. We had old school. We had new school cars. And we had this fun, fun-filled environment. No issues, no arrests. We had one fight out of 15,000 people from 12 to 8 o'clock. It was an amazing and, event. And, and that fight was probably two friends, right? And it was two friends. It was two friends. It was <laughs> That's 100%. It was actually two friends that didn't want to actually, uh, that didn't want to go the the regular way to get in, and so they tried to you know blame each other for you know getting kicked out, and so they fought because they tried to sneak in, you know, and so mm-hmm. they fought when they were leaving. But and they weren't even. I'm saying that these events can be happening across the states. These events could be bringing in money to. I, I mean. All these people that are saying, oh, Airbnb, like Plymouth would have been a great place to be able to do this for the 400th year anniversary for the Massachusetts. It would have been a great thing to have a bike, a bike week in Plymouth, Massachusetts or Cape Cod or, you know, any of these states that are looking for dollars. You, you do an event. There's a place called Sturgis and um, they do an event. 7,000 people is their city. But when they do this event for 10 days, they bring in $800 million over 10 days to their small city. Mm-hmm. And so just for a 10-day event that they do, that's the type of economic engine that this can bring to the table when you bring and when you start including these people. They're so busy trying to create policies, trying to criminalize these people for their little $150 tickets that if they were to focus on the other side of it because freedom is a two-way street and this in policy and ordinances and all these things that we go through with bike life matter if you were to look at the other side of the spectrum instead of trying to write ordinances and policies to try to criminalize these people if you looked at the economic engine and the uh, mental stability the ability that you have to um, give these people an outlet to you know to be able to exercise on these bikes then you're going to bring, you know, new people civically. You're going to bring new people economically to the table and you're given opportunity. And now you have gotten rid of all those collateral consequences that punishment brings, you know, and punishment. Yeah, exactly. An officer, you've seen you've seen the results of what punishment can do to a community, you know, when you continuously police a community. And so these people are being policed heavily. And if we could show them what not policing them, what including them would bring. We yeah, could, we could increase. We could increase um, the life expectancies of these individuals. I just want to jump yeah, on. This, this, uh, yeah, oh, go ahead, Charlie. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. I just want to jump. I just want to add that. Uh, <laughs> you go ahead. This is your Paul, Paul, Charlie. Really, uh, right now. This is a very. It's a, it's a small point. You, know, you talk about the fines and so on and so forth. Um, the fines are probably maybe it may reach the thousands. You just bring up a good point. If you set up an, a, a group, an event, that's $8 million. How can you not see the difference? How can you not see that, um, you know, the, that the $8 million has a greater reward 
financially. It actually is a community event. And and go ahead, go ahead, Jeremy. Not eight million, eight hundred million dollars in ten days. Oh, eight hundred million. Eight hundred oh, million dollars. This is what Sturgis. They brought four hundred. I don't know if you guys remember this. They they actually in March they brought. 460,000 people to a city of 10, to an area of 10,000. There's only 10,000 residents, but 460,000 people come there over the course of 10 days across the country, all over over the world, actually. And they go there and they, then they bring $800 million in 10 days to the local economy, more money than the actual money that is revenue that is generated in their state through the whole year so this is this, these wow. are things that we could be doing in the new england area we don't have we have laconia in new hampshire you know and those events have a, those events that happen in laconia are the reasons why a state can actually have uh, no sales tax like new hampshire you know so when wow. you when you think of how new hampshire is able to do some of the things that they're able to do they're able to uh create a there and so we need to be able to create that in these uh commonwealth and um states and these other states like rhode island that um are trying to control are trying to government control they don't understand controlling is not going to cure the issues controlling it are are not going to control the issues and there's other reasons why i'm 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 really invested into this bike life community but I really believe that if, if people were to start seeing the economic engine in this, they wouldn't be so quick to try to criminalize these kids for popping wheels. They would find they would find the locations at all these closed down schools or these abandoned buildings and try to find a place to actually cultivate this uh, recreational activity and see how they could actually work with it and prosper. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so important. It, I mean, which, and I mean, it's eight hundred million dollars is is a lot of money. Oh yeah. And if we were to do that twice a year here, we might not do eight hundred million, but I guarantee we could bring in more than eight million. Yeah. Exactly. Paula, you mentioned about the mental health aspect about this. So. Yeah. So I'm, educate us. I, I'm really, you know, that's my field. I love my mental health field, and I just want to backtrack to what you were saying about testimonies, Jeremy. A lot of people, I I have the, the privilege, I will say, that I meet with our community now. I, I'm in um, the Cape Cod area. Prior to that, I was in the New York, um, you know, downtown area in New York, right by Times Square, big population, mental health. I definitely well-versed with the bike life out in that, in that area. Um, in my I just wanted to touch upon that when they are trying to regulate this activity, as you were pointing that you and Charlie both brought up, that it's a way to release. It's a way to be, hey, I'm free right now, you know, and just coming from that mental health part, um, a lot of the people that I counsel and I speak to, um, it's all about the suppression. That is a topic, uh, a theme that is, is runs from the old to the young. And, you know, they always just feel like they're getting suppressed in some area. And then that's where you're getting all of these mental health um, struggles, I want to say, right? Because I hate labeling, but, you know, where you struggle with something. 
the more you're trying to control or suppress things, the more mental health is just going to boom, especially right now um, with the times that we have. But, well, you know, I'll, that could be as big as I want it, but I'll keep it to you. The, the bike conversation we're talking about is that I'm sure a lot of these people, just like people that play soccer, do music, do whatever, baseball, there's a release there for them. They like that. They're getting some kind of, wow, this is exhilarating. People are dropping out of these planes, you know, there's a release it might help some of the mental health because in any population that you're in, whether it be you're playing soccer, you're playing cricket, whatever you're doing, just because these people are riding bikes does not mean they still don't need that release. That, you know, to your point that there's doctors that have bikes. Charlie's an ex uh, police officer and he rides a bike. He's not a criminal, you know? So I think what you're doing is awesome, Jeremy, with trying to reface in, um, reframe the way society actually looks at these bike groups in and that culture because i i think a lot of people do have that view as oh these are just criminals and they're just trying to you know graffiti or whatever i mean there's so many stigma that you can attach to bike groups in in you know uh, bike culture but a lot of them it's it's that freedom you know hey we're, we're meeting up we're releasing we're we're hanging out just like people that just have done with a soccer game or whatever you know what i mean yeah, it's it's tough. And, um, Jeremy, this this question's for you. I'm sorry, don't mean to interrupt interrupt yeah, you. Oh, this, this is a kind of ask me any that, question. They can ask me anything. It says, <laughs> it says, it says, does your organization have a comprehensive business model to submit to legislators to stop moving these efforts forward, or is this uh, in the can, what? I can't read it. My uh, well, glasses is little. Or is it Cons conceptual stage of reform? Ooh, nice question. Great question. That's a great Jeremy, question. Jeremy, Man, who asked that question? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we have, um, we don't have, a, a, I, I will say, a comprehensive legislative resolution written out yet, but we are actually in the process of uh, working out the details. Um, there are five or six amendments that can be made um, to legislation. Um, in the state of Rhode Island um, in regards to transforming the bikes themselves to actually make sure that these four wheelers, um, ATVs have the proper equipment. So there is some work that's being done. There's actually another gentleman that's working on it. We've had uh, a meeting or two with the mayor um, of Rhode Island that has also some lawyers that are looking at it, but I have put together a business plan um, I've sat down with some. That's um, Providence, Rhode Island, right? Yes, Providence, Rhode Island. I have sat down. See, in Massachusetts, there are some venues that actually allow you to ride these four wheelers uh, and ATVs. There's a motocross uh, middle ball. Uh, there, there's also one in Shrewsbury. Uh, there's one uh, place in 508. I think it's Ayers. So there's some places in Western Mass. There's some places. There's that place. Um, so there are some locations, but it doesn't give us the atmosphere that we're looking for because we ride bikes on the, on the cement, on the street. Um, so we need, we need cement to be able to, we need like a lot to be able to do these things. Um, and so I have actually had a meeting with the Carnies, um, over in Raynham at the dog tracks, and I'm most likely going to be doing some things over there. And we're going to be doing some things at the Brockton fairgrounds in the April or May time 
category frame to try to set up a pilot to be able to do so. But to answer the question in regards to legislation, um, there is some things that are getting put together right now. I'm really looking to find um, the right legislators that can get the work done and move it through legislation. So I don't just want to just give people a bunch of ideas on how it can actually work. I wanted to um, get some get some feedback from the community um, as in who would be the best person to actually bring the legislation forward in regards to changing some of these laws, because there are some laws that if can be changed, for instance, in the city of Providence, they're working on uh, a resolution to change the ordinance um, in regards to confiscation and, uh, and forfeiture. So there are some things that where if the person gets caught on a bike, he actually loses the bike and it gets crushed. He actually gets the bike towed and it gets crushed. That itself, mentally, yeah, psychologically, the damage that is done is actually more than the actual yeah. great destruction of the corpus de selecti, which is the injured party, mm. which is the bike. So that is my biggest problem, actually. And that's why I'm fighting this fight, because they actually made a law in the city of Rhode Island, the city of Providence, that was unconstitutional, that was an actual what they call a government overreach, which and which says that they can take the property of an individual um, if they get caught riding it for the uh, popping that wheelie. So, for instance, if a municipality has a jurisdictional limit of, uh, say, 100 to 500 dollars for a particular ticket for popping a wheelie, that ticket can't exceed that yeah. amount of 500 dollars. Now, say that bike cost five thousand dollars. There's an excessive penalty right there. That's called excessive punishment. So that excessive punishment is a constitutional violation. So these people are violating these their, their these people's right to life, liberty, and the, and the pursuit of happiness um, by taking that property, by forfeiting, and not giving them the right to actually receive that forfeiture back. So what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to change that law specifically get an injunctive relief to change that law specifically so they can't take the bikes. You can just give them a fine, but you can't take the bikes. So that is actually something that is in the works and being written um, right now. That's awesome. Um, awesome. So, so there yeah, are things I that are being it. done. Yes. The money that people spend on these bikes. I mean, right. I, I'm so happy that you put in that mental part, like to take someone's bike and to destroy it and, and, and people put in love into these bikes. I mean, in New York, I had a lot of friends, um, very affluential, that had bikes, you know, and the, the money that they they soak into it. And I can only imagine someone right now, if they took his bike and crushed it, he would probably have a total meltdown. Um, yeah. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing with that organization. And you're, you're branching out. It's not just about, hey, we're a bunch of bikers and you know, are finding a space like you guys are trying to make change and and make moves and 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 really you know change the the picture that society has of bikers and and how to move forward. But, right. and that's yeah, and that's we, really the key. And that's really the key. Just you have people don't realize that you know you, you we have relationships person to person. But we also have a relationship with property, and mm. uh, and and that property may be something that's kind of self-made. That might be property that was kind of 
brought down or gave to you where a father gave a, a son a bike. You know, there's, there's so many different things. A brother may have given another brother a bike, maybe perhaps, you know, God forbid, but that brother passed away and he gave his little brother a bike. He wants to kind of emulate his older brother, his elder, and, and, and do the same thing that they may have been doing. So, um, yes. I, I just um, analyze because you have no space to utilize that bike is wrong in itself. That's that's the that's the catch. You sell a product, you receive the social benefit, the economic yeah. benefit, but then you take it away from that kid. It's like taking candy from a baby. You know, yeah. it's kind of like you know, back in the you know, I, I, I talk about my friends um, in, in in this manner. Uh, we used to play basketball, and so when we used to play basketball. Um, when we used to get mad to make sure that it, so nobody could play, we would kick the ball and we would kick the ball so far that nobody could play basketball, especially if we lost. We, you know, I had, I have a cousin when he lost, he, listen, there was, nobody was playing. Nobody, <laughs> nobody was playing. It was over with. And so to make sure that nobody would, we would kick the ball out of the sight, out of mind. And so that infuriated a lot of people and a lot of fights broke out because, the, there would be no ball. You can't play. You got to you got to find the ball. Well, that's what they did. They literally have. So you get you get yourself so riled up and angry that they made a public display of intimidation by crushing these bikes on public TV and doing it year after year. They did it for three years. You know, psychologically, just saying, man, I can't play. I, you you bring that person back to that trauma where not only did he get his bike taken, he might have got hit off his bike. He might have did two years in jail. He might have did uh, six months in jail. He might have lost everything that he had during that time frame. And now you're going to make a public display of humility and by destroying it on the uh, national television and then say, look, if you guys do it again, we're going to catch you and we're going to destroy it. You know, that to me was the most uh, intimidating thing that they have done, you know, outside of pointing a gun you know, at these people or, or utilizing their gun, you know, that to me, the psychological damage that is created by um, taking somebody's personal property, it's kind of like back in the days where they would take your house, you know, um, if you didn't pay your mortgage, you know, in, in, in a time, they had a, what they call a do on sale clause. If you didn't pay mm -hmm. it within that specific time, they would just take it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that, that we have rules and laws set up. So there, so you can't just do that, you know? And so this might be a this little bit me, simpler than that, where you are allowed to buy the bike, but then when you want to utilize it, you're penalized. Right. So you said the economic benefit to the bike sellers is great. Okay. So what do you do with the bike after? You just sit it in your yard and look at it? No, you want to utilize it. Where right. is the space? I'm really starting to get a better picture of what you're you're really trying to do here. Like. What's the point of having the bike if there is no space where you can really utilize it? No, the point is so they can criminalize it and keep the bond holders actually keep keep them financially stable. Because what happens is these groups are the mm -hmm. ones that are most marginalized because, one, they're riding a bike because they probably don't have a, a huge – there are some there are some ones that have families. But most people that ride bikes, they're kind of like empty nesters, the majority of them. They're, you know, they ride that bike to get that freedom because they don't have that. They're, they're not team sport um, people. There are some, there are many, mo most of our athletes are good team sport, but there are some that just kind of ride the bike and they don't have that kind of support structure, that, that support structure. So these people are targeted easily 
and the municipal court. There is no uh, lawyers that are going to take these cases because the cases are that they're municipal traffic tickets, you know, and that's, and so that's why marginalized. That's why the events that you talk about are very crucial and very, because what it does is it, it, it sets up a venue. It sets up a landscape where the people that you're kind of um, criticizing are right there. Now you kind of bring in some other folks to kind of get an understanding, some empathy about why this person is riding a bike. And that usually happens just on verbal communication, a, a conversation where it's where you're kind of setting up in maybe a flea market parking lot and you're just having a conversation. This is why I'm doing this. Oh, OK. You know, and kind of invite those legislatures, those politicians, those city, you know, people there to say, hey, come on, come on down. It helps you first. It helps you because now you can encourage this person. First of all, to register to vote and to vote for you because you're the candidate that has a, a kind of empathy for you and understanding. Look, I want to support you, but I want to have an understanding about what's going on and why you're riding this bike. And what it hap- what happens is now that particular politician can actually, all right, I understand what you're going through. Now, this is what I want you to do. It's a very, it's a civic duty a responsibility for you to vote. You may not vote for me, but I want you to register to vote. So now the issues like this that are in hand, it would, um, you have a say. You always have a say, but have a better say when you're a registered voter. Yep. Yeah. That's the only thing that's, you know, that's the only thing that makes us a civilian is if, you, if you're registered to vote, you know, it, voting is such an important is an important thing and not having people that are voting i shouldn't say that let me let me let me back up it's this pool of people are not civically engaged as much as the average person so when you when you do something for somebody they're going to be more apt to listening they're going to be this is going to be a way to bridge that gap to create that communication when you come down, when you when, when you get out of, of the situation, your first thing should be trying to help somebody out of that situation that you just got out of because you have that most ex- you have experienced on how to get out of it, you know, and that's what I want to be able to do. Like I learned I learned a little bit about the law and I want to be able to help these people that are having a difficulty communicate to these people that they feel that are, are criminals or that these people are gang members or that these people Look, I know these people, too, and these people are not what you think they are. So how about we create an atmosphere that we can bring, you know, this person and this person together? So you have a person that is um, he, he might be a, uh, uh, a a person that's looking to become city council member. And this person that's becoming city council might know uh, 15 people that are riding bikes. And so now he can support a group now these people are going to support the city council member because this city council member is supporting this organization and so that's the reason why i kind of made it an organization so mm-hmm. politicians people that are looking to maybe have a listening ear will listen um and they only seem to listen to organizations to lobbyists uh or to uh people that are voting so my job back in june uh was to 
bring these voices together. And so we did what they call a race to register. Um, okay. So we did an event that was, and if you go on one of my social media feeds, um, we, we kind of put it all together. We, we showed them how we could get them when we all vote. And so we got about uh, 300 people involved in that and 330, I think it was 330 people involved in that small, um, small time event. But it could be a lot bigger than that. And that's what we're looking to do. Good. Um, we, we've got about 10 minutes. So what I want to do is kind of, um, uh, I just want to give you both an opportunity to kind of close on this. Um, and I also want to extend an invitation for both of you to, um, you know, anytime you want to bring a, a subject matter, on the Really Tally podcast, just reach out to me. You know, we have mutual ways of getting in touch with each other now. And I actually want to make sure that um, we maintain that communication. And uh, so, Jeremy, I, I love what you're doing. Keep on doing it. And uh, Paula, if you can hear me, I definitely uh, want to, um, you know, let you know that outside our kinship outside our roots they're definitely uh you know you can reach out to me at any point i'll so. send up the bat signal for you charlie <laughs> <laughs> so now, i really appreciate um, you having us on I, this, yeah. is, this, this is really good for me to be able to uh find these different platforms i also wanted to tell you that you know we have not only created an organization, organized it, but we are also doing similar podcasts that we'll be launching um, in March, which we'll be doing pop-up podcasts. It's called A Pop-Up Mobile. And what we will be doing is be able to go to, as if you were to see like a WEI radio show pop up at like a business, at like a Dave and Bush's and do a uh, podcast. What we're going to do is bring Bike Life Lives Matter and our um, publication to these different businesses on Saturdays. And we're going to talk about maybe their business, if it's a, if it, you know, might be a crab spot or something, it might be uh, fishermen, you know. And so what we'll end up doing is we'll be moving mobily to these different small businesses and showing them not only in like a carnival type atmosphere, but we'll be introducing their products, their services and introducing their ideas and showing them how we can work together as a culture from I bike life, maybe just pedal bikes but also give them a platform to, for them to express themselves, you know, virtually um, and uh, integrate them directly with the products that, you know, that we might have or whatnot and allow the world to be able to see it. So go to different businesses on Saturdays and then on Sundays, we're going to be doing some civic engagement with some local uh, politicians and some national um, politicians, but also lawyers um, and other people that are going to be able to truly um, express and create a dialogue um, to be able to amplify the voice of our culture. Because I think that uh, the time is now to be able to amplify our voice and to be able to do it on, an, on a level um, that is going to touch as many people as is, is so and so important. So this platform that you have created to where Charlie speaks so people can get to know. So when we get, when we get you ready 
to become mayor of New Bedford, you're going to have a whole <laughs> army of people that are going to truly understand, you know, your wants and your desires. And just because I might be a Providence, Rhode Island uh, organization doesn't mean that this is not a global uh aspect you know we helped many people even from georgia win that runoff and we'll we will definitely get involved in helping you know you and your endeavors in regards to uh wherever you decide to politically because we need more people and faces of, of uh color in our in our state houses in our local governments it is so so important you know that we focus our attention while we have this opportunity to fill those to fill those roles so we can actually get the resources to our communities for that mm -hmm. mental health for that education you know for mm -hmm. those uh social and um for, for that uh physical health you know mm -hmm. so we can start to you know get back some of those years that we've lost in this prison that we've been in um and you know it's so important for people like you to continue to come to the table and you know and it's important for us to be able to listen and to be able to learn, you know, on these platforms too. Getting the information out to our people. I, I just agree. want to just plug in there, Charlie, a really good friend of mine, Tara Wallace. She's on, she's listening right now. She'd be great to come on and actually address what you're talking about, Jeremy, because she is a humongous advocate of people of color and getting education out to them and, and just getting, you know, empowering people. So Charlie, I'm definitely gonna hook you up with her. I I just got her on the side and said, "Hey, I'm gonna talk to uh, address what you're saying, Jeremy." I, I think I, these forms are great. Go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready for anyone to, and especially I want to listen and learn. Um, as my friend Mr. Clock says, uh, I'm trying to learn me something today, and I'm that's all I'm trying to do is just learn and. Um, I will reach out to her as soon as I get that information. Yeah. And uh we could set up something as soon as uh as soon as a week or two, you know, we could definitely set up something. And I'm always ready. I'm always ready, you know. I just want to let you all know that there may be a situation where look, I got to get this out there. You know, how can I get it? What form what platform can I use? All right, I'm going to use Charlie. I'm going to give him a call. I'm going to give him a text. Whatever you do that. And guess what? We create the ad and then we're on, you know, and that's the one thing I like about, you know, StreamYard and Anchor and I can always get it on and I'm always ready. As long as I'm not working, I'm always ready. So, but uh, now we definitely appreciate I love you too already. Yes, thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Yeah, now we definitely appreciate yeah. it. This is a really nice platform, Charlie, and I, I will definitely use it uh, if I can get the opportunity. I'm going to be looking at a few things coming up. And uh, we'll definitely give you a shout uh, and and stay in touch. You know, we really appreciate the uh, civic engagement and whatever we can do as an organization and me individually as a person, you know, don't feel, uh, you know, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm definitely here for you. Whatever I can do to assist back, you. Back definitely. at you. Back appreciate at you. Yes, um, yes. Paula, I know you. Paula, you know, I know you have a schedule, so. I don't want to um, delay your schedule. You got things to do. And, uh, we got a new Twitter account. We just signed up for Twitter. Make sure you can follow uh, Bike Life Lives Matter, uh, BikeLifeLivesMatter.org. We are not um, 
We will have our EIN number up there. We're a nonprofit, domestic nonprofit organization. Um, we're not taking um, any donations yet uh, or anything like that because we want to make sure that everything is uh, organized properly and that everything is transparent. But um, what we are doing is we, we do have some yard signs. If anybody's interested, we will, we, we will be selling some yard signs this week. We have some hats. I don't have any of the hats. They're actually in the truck. Uh, some sweaters, some hoodies, some different jackets, and some different things like that to try to help amplify the one those hoodies. So, I'll take one of those. Yeah, so we definitely have some nice, uh, some nice merchandise. That's it. I love merchandise. I really yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Nice merchandise and things like that to try to uh, help amplify the voice. So uh, we'll definitely, you know, send you guys something, and you know, maybe you guys could put it up in your yard or whatnot, and that will be good. Great, great. But I appreciate oh, it. Well, nice conversation, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, all right. I love you guys. Thank you. And uh, God bless. I'm, Next uh, time we'll um, talk about the police I'm and here. all the uh, in your career. And we'll, I'll talk about maybe my incidents with the police. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Yeah, we can do that. That will be interesting. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay. Love you guys, man. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, guys. Hey, excellent, excellent conversation. Uh, peace. I love it. You know, um, it's that's what it's about. The Really Charlie podcast is about really telling people how you feel what you want to get out the message you're trying to get out and and that's what i'm about that's what i'm about i'm not about silencing people i'm not trying to make people um you know just hush up it's not it's not me it's not something that i have uh, been raised off of and uh or raised by you know so jeremy you keep up the good work paula you keep up the excellent work i'm here for you and feel free to tune in to the Really Charlie podcast at StreamYard, Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, and you can also email me at reallycharliepodcast at gmail.com. Love you guys. Mask those beautiful faces. Wash and hand sanitize your hands and stay safe. God bless. <laughs>